0: Only
1: redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Choosy mothers choose Jeff. Like, <laughs> like of course they do. <laughs> what
0: fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I see your pooch and raise you. With Margaret Apples and Amy Wilson. I'm going to eat these flowers. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. I get dressed and I'm like killing it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this
1: is Amy. And this week we are talking about body image our kids and their relation to body image our own relation to body image. Are they connected? Yes, <laughs> I have a very bad feeling <laughs> they might be connected. Amy. <laughs> have- Unfortunately, I have a bad
0: feeling about that.
1: Yes, yes, they are connected. But there's things we can do about that. So as usual, we're going to start with some research, talk about why it's a problem, how it manifests. And then as always, we end with like, and here are a few actual things we can do about it. We're going to
0: solve this, guys. Don't worry, body image, we're going to take care of it. No problem. I have an uplifting mailbag to start with that's actually related to the topic.
2: Mailbag.
0: We're digging in, but first let's have a little uplifting mailbag. First let's feel good, all right?
1: Carla said in our Facebook group, you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash hellcast. Carla said, it's coming on winter here in the Southern Hemisphere, but I'm aware that a lot of y'all are heading into your summer season. As you do, I'd like to be the little voice in your ear telling you that you are beautifully and wonderfully made and that your body is a beautiful, glorious thing. If you're listening right now, says Carla, you've created life and sustained it, and you are still creating and sustaining this. Remember this as you stand in front of arbitrary measurements and other people's opinions. They count for nothing. You are beautiful. You are glorious.
0: Thank you, Carla. Thanks for listening. It's <laughs> a wrap. Yeah, Carla solved it solved it and we'll see you next week carla solved it for us she solved it i mean i liked that immediately
1: of course like i'll smash that like button but sort of i believe that to be true i want that to be true for other people and yet like really truly believing it for
0: myself
1: is a work in progress sometimes
0: i'm gonna come in hot amy and stop me if i'm wrong okay There is a part of me that thinks this can't be fixed for us, that it's too deeply baked in the cake, that the idea of thinness as morally superior, valuable, that being thin is not only important, but is some sort of judgment on our place in society and the world. Like I've done a lot of work around this, and I do feel like I've made a ton of adjustments, but I think I may be at the bottom or the top, I don't know where, of the adjustments it's even possible for me to make, you know? Yeah, but you just said the adjustments that you've
1: made have had
0: some effect. Oh, they have, for sure. But I do, I would love to like take the computer chip out of my brain that is like thin is valuable, fat is bad, your personal worth is extremely tied to your size, And when you quote, look fat, you have failed. And when you quote, look thin, you will get universally praised, especially by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder whether that's, I guess it's not eradicatable, if that's a word, one cannot eradicate this. But I guess you can just keep tempering it down, 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 down. I, yeah, I do think it's
1: worth doing the work of pushing back and helping our kids learn to see it and push back when they see it. I think it's worth trying, knowing that like eradicating it is impossible. That's where I come from on this.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely dovetailing for me with the twin reckoning of oldie locks. Back in my day, as we're talking, I'm looking at myself on the uh, zoom and I have my little gray hair coming out and I'm like, it's all kind of coming together. Like looking good is at once like untenable and yet like still too important. So I think it's important to wrestle with.
1: But I want to talk today specifically about like body image and the way our kids manifest it in particular, because that's where it's like, oh, shoot, we have a problem with this because they're not worrying about gray hair yet. But that's coming for them. We have a listener question that sort of inspired this whole episode, as they often do. Krista, she wrote into the Facebook group and she said, I have four daughters. The youngest who is seven years old seems to be having body image issues. I'm sure the media and internet have fueled this fire. How can we talk to our girls about these issues? It's not just girls, P.S., but that's Krista's framing of it. It breaks my heart, Krista says, to hear her talk shamefully about her body. I've never dealt with these kind of issues before, and I want to do everything I can to boost her body image and avoid potential eating disorders when she gets older, says Krista. So the first thing I want to say, I was telling you before we started recording, that I really had an epiphany doing the research for this episode that I wasn't expecting which is that eating disorders and body image issues are related sometimes, but they're not the same thing. They're two different issues, both of which are very distinct and both of which are important, but not everybody with body image problems goes on to have an eating disorder. And not everybody with an eating disorder is doing it because of body image issues. There's a lot of reasons that go into eating disorders. So they're related, but they're actually not the same. That makes sense to me. And that, so just responding to Krista right off the bat, like the goal here isn't necessarily to prevent your seven-year-old from getting an eating disorder. Of course, you don't want to have an eating disorder, but the body image stuff is not great either. And we want to like address it in its own right. Does that make sense? It sure does.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the issues just to drill down on that for a second because people who are hearing it for the first time like an eating disorder is someone who gets too obsessed with being thin and it gets dangerous that's like what a lot of us have as the default definition or too obsessed with food yeah but that it, it really can be a manifestation of feeling out of control in different ways. There's a lot of things that can be playing into an eating disorder. Right. That's not just like, well, someone went on a diet and then took it too far, which I think we maybe grew up with the idea of that's what an eating disorder was. Right.
1: And coming next week, we have an interview with Virginia Soul Smith, and she is the author of a new book called Fat Talk, which is amazing. So that's going to be next week's Fresh Take interview. And she talks a lot about fat shaming and fat bias and food and how that shows up in our homes. And that, again, is like related to this. But I think we can kind of carve that out because what we didn't talk in that episode about very much is the body image stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like in this episode, we don't have to talk about the food stuff as much. Like, yes, the Clean Plate Award, all that stuff, it can mess with us about food. But the problems we have with our bodies can exist totally outside of the like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that donut. It happens when we look at ourselves no matter what we eat. Mm, I'm interested to talk more about that. Okay, so negative body image. I looked it up because my next question was, oh, this is a problem for girls, but it's not a problem for boys, right? Well, not necessarily. So there's studies that show that approximately 50% of pre-adolescent girls, like the seven-year-old we were talking about in the listener question, and 30% of boys dislike their bodies. That was higher than I there was less of a difference than I expected. I thought it was going to be like most girls and no boys. And then when they're grown ups, 60% of adult women, 40% of adult men have a negative body image. So there's a gender difference, but not as much as I, it's a thing for boys
0: too. Raising boys, I've been interested how much we're talking about it. And it's generally, and I don't know if this is reflective at all, but my experience is that boys' body is around like not strong enough, not muscly enough. Yes. Fear of being fat. And then height is another big one for boys, I have found. Like that is your body. You know, I'm too short. I'm too small. That like being big and muscly, but trim is somehow the ideal. And I don't know if that's more so or less so. I definitely think that there's more social media pressure. And I do think those male body images that I've heard people write and talk about this are kind of uniquely unachievable, like the kind of like Adonis male body involves like that being your full time, like only thinking about what you eat and working out in terms and having some genetic predisposition like that male perfect body, unquote quote unquote, is very, very distant. And
1: we're not even really including, but this is present also, the sort of gender dysphoria of I hate my body because it doesn't match how I feel inside, right? There's all of that that's happening for some kids, too. So it's much more universal than there's too many girls in bikinis on Instagram, but also there are too many girls in bikinis on Instagram. I mean, I think that's like, that's, you know, a, a sort of given that's not helping. But this has been going on for a long time and then slowly getting worse. Good news. It's been slowly getting worse.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering about that. Like, is it this is one of those things that also people didn't chronicle back in the day? Like, I definitely remember I am going to really show my age here. But Karen Carpenter of the Carpenters, when we were probably very young kids, died of anorexia. She was a big star. And I remember my parents loved the Carpenters and them talking about it and trying to sort out like, Literally, what are you talking about? I mean, it was just not something you would ever heard of an eating disorder. And so I'd be interested to know, and maybe it's not even possible to chronicle, like, are the numbers going up on all of this stuff? Are we talking about it more? Is it just something we're more aware of? But whether or not the numbers are changing, I guess it's something that we all know that we're dealing with in our own homes and have to deal with on some level. So in 1984,
1: this professor named Dr. Judith Rodin put out a paper where she used the term normative discontent. And so this is back in the 80s. And she argued in this paper that dissatisfaction with one's weight has become so prevalent among women that feeling negatively about how you look is the norm. It's not the exception. It's the rule. Oh,
0: that. Tracks
1: for sure, right? Right, and so that was in the 80s. And there was a new study, I'll put a link in the show notes to open, we'll have to dig down into the details. But somebody pushed back on, but is this really true? Like, we all think that women deal with this more than men, that women, you know, internalize this discontent more than men, but is this really true? And the results of that study, which was from like five years ago, sort of showed that, yes, it does seem to be kind of true that it is more true for women, but the discontent is becoming normative for men as well and
0: for kids. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely the kind of stuff that I associate with like 80s parenting and kind of old school, like the women in my life, and I am not, you know, dunking on them in any way, but just complaining about being fat, talking about weight at every meal and like always talking about food as like leading to either thinness or fatness, the kind of constant perseveration about this definitely was, we were soaking in it as kids. I mean, I was soaking in it as a kid. Sure. I mean, my grandmother
1: used to eat (laughs) the terribly named AIDS diet candy, A-Y-D-S. And guess what? It was just like chewy caramel. I think that was no active ingredient besides sugar. Probably had a lot of caffeine in it, I think. Yeah. And maybe some caffeine. Yes. And it suppressed your appetite. And I would, of course, gobble them when she wasn't looking from her kitchen. But... Not because I wanted to go on a diet because they were delicious AIDS diet candy. But yeah, she was thinking about it. Oh, my
0: gosh. That could not have been recommended by your (laughs) pediatrician.
1: Let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about body image and how it's playing out for kids. More good news. Yes, let's. We'll be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. Whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, sports research hydrate electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, 7 essential vitamins, and coconut water powder.
0: Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate.
1: Fresh for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. All right, so breaking it down, what body image actually is. I always like to actually define, like we think we know what we're talking about, but what is it? So this is a definition from Dr. Lauren Mulheim. She's a clinical psychologist who actually specializes in eating disorders and body dysmorphia disorder. She says that body image is the subjective image, like the internal image that people have of their own bodies which is separate and distinct from how their body actually appears. It's not the same. It's not how you do look. It's how you think you look. Totally tracks.
3: Right?
0: Yeah. That you... Th- Can it be negative or positive? Yes. I have a friend who used to say I had, uh, had negative body dysmorphia
1: because he'd look in the mirror and think he looked great and then he'd look at pictures of himself and be like horrified. I've definitely had that
0: experience. Yeah. That's how I feel all the time. <laughs> I get dressed and I'm like killing it. Gosh, do I look good. And then I see pictures later on and I'm like, yeah, who is that troll? Like what happened to the supermodel who was putting on her makeup earlier? Yep. And it's gotten to the point where my
1: teenage daughter kind of doesn't want me to take pictures of her because I think she's so certain she's not gonna like it you know she's like can you please not take my picture we'll be on vacation can you not take my picture i'm like can i take one i promise i won't put it on social media i just want a picture of us in this but oh, it's never a good time and i think it's because i get it i kind of feel that too like oh i don't want to have to look at myself not looking the way i want myself to look yeah so it can kind of go the other way too
0: yeah i have this i do a family calendar every year and uh I just always think everybody looks great, and so I put them up, and then I always get some feedback of, like, that was a terrible picture of me. (laughs) And then I think, I just see your face. Like, I don't know what you're responding to. Although every once in a while, I will see a picture of me, and I will turn to my husband and say, your job is to say, I don't look like this in real life. And he's like, no, you don't look like that in real life. And I'm like, thank goodness. Right. You do
1: need that wingman. And sometimes what's interesting about, like, body image and body dysmorphia disorder which is when you like you take it to an obsessive extent the people you see you've had like 62 plastic surgeries or whatever it's often not about their waistline it's about like their nose or their jawline or some, you know, that their arms need to be longer or whatever, you can fixate on something that's actually not about your weight at all.
0: As I was saying, my little, I have a little inch of gray right in the front, and we're doing this on Zoom. And all I can see is like, why do I have a weird inch of gray right in the front of my hair? Like, it's funny. And I remember... You know, people talk about their necks all the time. Like, it's a sign of age. Your neck starts to fall. Yes. And, like, I'll talk to women who are maybe 10 years older than me, and they're like, oh, my neck, my neck. And I just think, your neck totally looks like a normal neck to me, like a slightly older. You do not look even the neck of a 10 year old. Right. But I just think that you are mistaking how much people are, like, thinking about your neck. Well, that's true. And you're also mistaking that. Nicole
1: Kidman's neck hasn't been retouched, or Jennifer Aniston's neck hasn't been retouched in every single photo you see of them. And as I found out from my movie producer friend, including videos that certain stars, I'm not like maybe not them, but will have in their contract. Like you have to square up my jawline in my television commercial. In every frame of my TV appearance, you need to smooth it out to make me look different. So you're comparing yourself to a retouched photo to a cartoon character to a cartoon character and we do it so like let alone how our kids do it so i got a term for you media internalization that's what this was about Mm, i'm afraid i already know what that means yeah you've already internalized media internalization it is the extent to which an individual invests in societal ideas of size and appearance which are thin ideal for girls and muscular ideal for boys as you were saying yeah To the point that they become rigid guiding principles, that you look at a Kardashian and think, not only does she look like that, one is supposed to look like that. And that's what I'm aiming towards.
0: Yeah, but I mean, that's everybody, right? I mean, it it seems to me that that's everybody all the time. Like, are there people who are like, "Eh, I don't have any rigid society internalized ideas about how I should look? Oh,
1: I think it is everybody, but I, the reasons I think it's getting worse, there's a couple of reasons, but one is that we all have, you know, phones and computers in our pockets now, including our kids, and two, there's that retouching is widely available, so that, like, what I'm trying to say is even Khloe Kardashian doesn't look like Khloe Kardashian, but we think that she does, and so the ideal that we or our kids are sort of aiming ourselves toward is increasingly
0: impossible to achieve. For so many reasons. I mean, she doesn't look like Khloe Kardashian 10 years ago. She doesn't look like Khloe Kardashian now in real life because of the retouching. Yeah. But I think that there's a part of me that's like the Kardashians are ridiculous to me. So like I'm not susceptible to that. But at the same time, I think, I mean, I can remember watching the movie Oldie Deluxe Alert Dirty Dancing back in my day and Jennifer Grey would wear these cut off jeans. They were like cut off at the knees and then rolled up like three times. And she had these tiny little thighs and being like, that is the coolest look ever. Like I chased that look for years and years. And it was like, I'm failing because I don't look like the skinny, cute girl in this look, you know? And I, I think it can, <laughs> yeah. it kind of, it's in the water. It's in the air, you know? Like it, it feels like I can think of the, Many times where I would cut out pictures and be like, oh, my God, I want to look like this person or that person. And
1: yes, yes.
0: Yeah. It's media internalization. And now I guess it's just so omnipresent.
1: Yes. And Jennifer Grey was not retouched in Dirty Dancing. I mean, she looked adorable in her shorts, but she was a human being.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's it. I mean, and I feel like I just saw the movie and I was so taken with the way she looked in that movie. Just in those jeans, too. I didn't care about the pink dress. Didn't care about the rest of it. And I just obsessed over those genes for years. Like, that's what I want. That's what I want. There's this
1: new thing I learned about yesterday on TikTok, like a sort of the body positivity hashtag on TikTok. So this is sort of a response to this, right? Like young people are responding to this, like, I'm going to show real bodies. We're going to be body positive. Totally wonderful impulse, right? In theory. But there's a, yeah, Jill D. Donata wrote this article for HuffPost. So interesting. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Gen Z has a body positivity problem, and it's lurking on TikTok. So her argument, which makes a lot of sense to me, is that the body positivity movement, quote unquote, is actually making things worse. And here's why. There's two reasons. Don't get this one at all. Tell me. The first one is you have Bella Hadid. I'm making this up. I don't know if Bella Hadid did this or not, but Bella Hadid is a supermodel, so I'm picking on her. Bella Hadid, for example... In fact, I won't call it Bella Hadid. This is, you know, Cruella Shadid. It's a made up person It made up, right? Supermodel, just had two bowls of ice cream. (laughs) Great. I think it was better the other way. A made up person, but this is happening, you know, regularly. A person with a thin, ideal body, right? They might perceive themselves as three pounds overweight. So like, this is me and I've had a bowl of ice cream and I'm showing my pooch. Like I'm making my belly pooch out because hashtag body positivity. Yeah, ridiculously thin. Yes, they're still thin and beautiful. They're still adhering to normative ideals of beauty. And they're claiming body positivity for themselves. So you know, the 11 year old looking at this is like, but I don't look I don't
0: even look like that. Right? Like you're like, this is me in a fat day. Like you guys, it's a real me like, <laughs> right, like your pooch is like, I see your pooch and raise you. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Yes, yes. So the point she's making, I'm going to quote her, these faces of body positivity are already praised and accepted for their body types by society. So that when they express that they are confident with their bodies, it doesn't really give any confidence to a teenager looking at that who doesn't look like them. For sure. Like it's one thing for Lizzo to say she's body positive. It's another thing for like, you know, a 5'10". Skinny teenager to be like, look at me, I'm so fat. Body positivity, it's not helping.
0: Yep, that makes sense. I don't to me. what to do
1: about that, but I think it's like another factor in kind of making things worse.
0: Yeah. What's the other side and, of that? You know, the other thing of the body
1: positivity is that it's also, as everything is, co-opted by people to sell you stuff. Right? It's a like body positivity, girl, you deserve to look your best. So buy this bathing suit. You know, like it's it's just become a way to you deserve to look good in other words, but it's still sending you down the same funnel, like body positivity, care more about what you look like. and
0: Yeah, I wonder about, I mean, I definitely think that my children and this coming generation definitely sees a lot more variation in the way that people look, right? I mean, they definitely see more celebrities who are fat, more models who are fat, people walking um, runways that are fat. And I think that that seems like it has to be a positive to me, but maybe it's not? Question mark? This makes me think
1: of one of the first fresh takes we ever had, Myrna Valerio. She is a fitness expert and she sort of talks about the accessibility of fitness to anybody of any size. And she herself is in a larger body. And we talked to her in the interview about what that's like to sort of be an advocate for that. But she's also a fitness expert, right? Like she not her every interaction shouldn't be about just be your thing. A fitness yeah. expert in a body you wouldn't expect. Like sometimes you just want to be a fitness expert. And I and sometimes Lizzo just wants to be like an incredible singer. And I get it. Like as long as we keep talking about hashtag body positivity, every time somebody shows up who's not skinny, we're not really there yet.
0: Yeah, that's a super good point. And I think that Lizzo has dealt with that a lot, right? That she's A singer who happens to be fat, who is an amazing flautist and singer and dresses sexily and sings sometimes about her own positive self image. But then it's like you kind of I'm sure that's not all the only thing she wants to talk. She just wants to talk. It's like every interview with Beyonce is like, so you're beautiful and extremely thin. How is that for you? Like, it would be so weird to do that to Beyonce, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think for Lizzo, people do feel like, well, the most important thing about you is the size of your body. Problem is, this takes up space in our
1: heads, and it's not great, right? Of course, for us... Oh, it takes up space, all right, Amy. For our kids, I got a great study for you. So some college students were studied. They were sent to a dressing room and they were asked to try on a swimsuit or a sweater, sort of 50% swimsuit, 50% sweater, some men, some women. And then they were supposed to sit down, like somebody will be right back. So they set up this thing where they also had to do some math problems sitting down in either the swimsuit or the sweater for 10 minutes in the dressing room, and then they could take it off. It's a lot of factors here, Amy. Where is this going? Yeah, well, the young women wearing the bathing suit performed significantly worse on the math problems than the women wearing the sweaters. The men did okay, whether they were wearing the sweater or the swimsuit in this study, but the women couldn't do math because they were so stressed out about wearing a bathing suit, even though they were alone in the dressing room. It actually disrupted their mental capacity. That is depressing.
0: Yeah. I mean, whenever we talk about this issue, I feel like I always say... I want the time and hours and life that I spent thinking about this back, you know? I just, I see it in myself and it is so frustrating and I would love for my kids to have a really different relationship with this, but I don't know how to do it. I have a few ideas. I mean, I
1: think, yes, you're right, we can't eradicate this, but we can push back a little bit. So we have a few solutions.
0: Let's take a break. I'm ready for your ideas when we come back, Amy. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used hero bread. It is And now, how people greet us versus what we hear from the What WhatFreshL podcast, how people greet us, how are you, what we hear, I do
1: not want to know how you are, please don't tell me about your husband's snoring problem or how you're dealing with a hand, foot and mouth outbreak. I literally beg you to say fine and let me move on with my day. How people greet us, hey stranger, it's great to see you.
0: What we hear.
1: You have deeply offended me by being out of touch. What are you, some kind of hermetic shut-in? Crawl out of your cave once in a while like a real human, you freak. How people greet us. Have you lost weight? What we hear. I keep a chart in my purse of all your weight fluctuations. There are pictures involved. Let's be honest, I have a lot of thoughts about your weight. I mean, almost all negative. How
0: people greet us. You look tired. What we hear.
1: Oh, my God,
0: you scared me. Seriously, you look like that kid in the well from the ring movies. Get yourself together, you beast. This has been how people greet us versus what we hear from the What
1: Fresh Hell podcast. OK, so we have to fight back against this messaging that we're soaking in, right, that our kids are soaking in. And just going back to our listener question, I wanted to highlight that she's noticing this most predominantly in her youngest child, which makes sense, right? It's like the youngest of four girls who has older sisters. Of course, she's consuming a different kind of media and messaging than she might have if she was the oldest of four kids at seven. That's just how it is, right? And so she's consuming this. And so the part that only the youngest is susceptible to this, it's like, well, she's getting the most of it so that it makes sense. So here are a few things that I think can work to sort of fight back about this in front of our kids. The first one, there's a a resource called aboutface.org. I'll put the link to that in the show notes, too. This has tons of resources for parents and for teenagers and sort of clapping back at all this stuff, both externally and internally and sort of resetting it for yourself. And they suggest that you do something called subvertising, which is, you know, you can do this. You can print it out of magazines. Like you were saying, you used to cut out the pictures of magazines. They're suggesting you cut out the picture of the magazine and then you write on it. You know, this is trying to sell me something or like this isn't realistic or whatever. Or you do it in Canva. Scroll down on on our show notes right now. Here's one that's really funny. It's two very thin, you know, languid (laughs) teen models languidly lying around. And a young girl has written on this. I am so hungry. I can't take it. I'm going to eat these flowers. And then she wrote hey, Abercrombie and Fitch, try feeding your models and doing something like this with your kids, showing it to your kids and, you know, encouraging your kids to do this and think about this
0: is helpful. Yeah, I do think that we were talking about on the show and we were actually talking about it offline as well, like my fears around like YouTube and the rabbit holes and like the things that kids get sucked into because all my kids love YouTube. And you were saying, and I thought it was such a good idea and I do it all the time now to give voice to like, these stupid people think you they can trick you into believing stuff just because it's on YouTube and like being the like the gimlet eye giving your kids the gimlet eye to say like oh my gosh you know and you don't want to shame people for being any size but to say like we've talked about this I think it was Britt Hawthorne who was talking to it about this and I notice my daughter and I have in this conversation all the time. When we watch a show, she was talking about anti-racism for kids. When we watch a show, and I'll say, Wow, there are no people of color in this show at all. This show is all white people. And it happens in a fairy tale world. Like, why couldn't there be some more black people on this show? And just giving voice to like what we're seeing doesn't represent something that we might want to see or like wow all the princesses on this show are the same size everybody on this show is so small and thin and it's weird it's like they're trying to tell us that like to be a beautiful princess you would have to be thin and i do think that giving voice to that can be really it's not a fix but i think it's helpful It's a start and it's a start for us too, right?
1: To look at a picture and say, I'm going to give you a couple more questions you could ask. This is from Dr. Bobby Eisenstock. She studies the social psychological effects of media and she says, you know, you look at a picture, you can ask and you can ask your kids to tell you, are the bodies in this image real or do you think that they've been photoshopped, digitally altered? And then she says, like, what is the message they're trying to send in this? Why are they sending us that message? And who might profit from that message? These are, again, some of the things. I mean, they seem obvious to us, although we don't stop and think about it often enough. But I can see for a kid that that would be really useful. It will be like, oh, I didn't really think about that. Right? I mean, I used to take, as a kid... I took advertising at face value. Definitely. Right. Choosy mothers choose Jeff. Like,
0: yeah, like, of course they do. <laughs> it's the best kind. Bow- You're still saying bouncing and behaving from a Prell commercial yes. that came out in like 1976, Amy. So I get that you took advertising very seriously.
1: I never considered who created a profited from the message. Choosy mothers choose Jeff. Never dreamed that Jeff peanut butter might be behind no. that.
0: No one ever dreamed that the phrase bouncing and behaving would live on 40 years later on a podcast through you, Amy. It's all me. That advertising, that Don Draper really scored with that tagline. My media internalization game. Yeah. Believe me, my mom served pasta every night because there was a commercial that said Wednesday's is Prince Ronzoni night. We had pasta every Wednesday our whole life. Yes. Because Wednesday was Prince Ronzoni night. Yes. And stovetop stuffing was for company,
1: right? Because they would definitely want to stay for dinner if you had stovetop stuffing.
0: We're definitely slightly joking about it, but it is worth noting that, like, these people have tremendous power over our kids. And Mm -hmm. these people are the people on the Internet, (laughs) the people on YouTube. You know, good luck changing my tweens opinion about a movie after he has seen the Marvel fans review it online. Like if they say it's trash, you'll never convince him it was good. You know, I mean, right. They have strong power over people and good luck convincing my daughter that some shampoo that some TikToker said makes your hair bad. She threw it in the garbage yesterday because, you know, some other TikToker told her it was the good one. And I mean, these people have a lot of. Control. And by the way, for those of you who are thinking, I thought you banned TikTok, I definitely did. (laughs) But now it's all coming, it's coming up through the groundwater. It's coming in on YouTube shorts, which I forgot to ban. Yeah. And then when I ban YouTube shorts, then it's on these YouTube compilations. I mean, they find this stuff no matter what. I thought you were going to go the opposite way with the shampoo, and this would be
1: another way to fight back. Like, certainly I have bought, I know my teenage daughter has bought, like, The Instagram regrets, right? Like, you know, I definitely bought a $50 shampoo on Instagram because somebody said it would make my hair amazing. And it didn't. It wasn't wasn't very good shampoo. And now it's like it's a mistake sitting in my shower, just judging me every day. Like, yeah, you really fell for it. You fell for that messaging. (laughs) I'm like, it is too. And sometimes it's good stuff. You see what I'm saying? Like, even that is like, yeah, I really fell for that pretty woman telling me that that would change me. And it didn't. It actually didn't. I'm still me. My hair is still my hair.
0: Yeah my sister in i'm going to say the early 90s worked for a magazine and i always remember being really surprised by this we were maybe like i think we were young college and She did a summer internship at a magazine and they were doing kind of like an expose story on how related the advertisers in women's magazines were to the articles so that basically you were buying an ad that said your hair will be bouncing and behaving. And then an article in the magazine would also say, like, for those people who want hair that's bouncing and behaving, this is the only product you should use. That basically Mm. the whole thing was one big advertisement, you know? And it's tricky. Like, you know, they don't advertise to be like, this will make you look less good. I was working on a chapter of my forthcoming book
1: coming in 2024 this weekend. And it I was writing about Young Miss magazine, which was the 80s. And it occurred to me for the first time as I was writing this that there were different quizzes. So these Young Miss magazines had these quizzes every month. I'm sure you remember them that were like, what's your body type? And I definitely as a... 13-year-old decided I was pear-shaped, that I was bottom-heavy, that I needed to dress to accentuate my waist, but not my hips and thighs, which were too large. And I was writing about this this weekend, and it occurred to me, like, gosh, in those quizzes, you could find out you were top-heavy, you could find out you were a bottom-heavy, you could find out you were a skinny mini, and that wasn't great either.
0: There was no option, you're great, everything's going fine. There
1: was never an option, you're <laughs> great, everything's going fine. That's right. That was not an option. You were either too fat, too skinny. I mean, too. I'm
0: laughing, but that's real it is really appalling.
1: Yeah. There was never a you're doing great. And Young Must doesn't exist anymore. And I think teen magazines and teen websites these days are bending over backwards to present some sort of body positivity. But then they have advertisers and then the kids aren't in on magazines. They're they have influencers who are deciding for themselves what body positivity is. And it's it's really complicated.
0: Here's one thing I do want to say. I believe that this stuff is bad, scary, panic-inducing, all of the definite pulls that are pulling our kids in directions that we don't support, including body image and feeling bad about the way they look. I do believe that the weight is still on our sides in this stuff. Like our kids, my kids spend 80% of their time with me or in my house and maybe 10% of their time on social media and maybe like 40% of the time with their friends. The math doesn't work, but you know what I mean? I still have the (laughs) lion's share. Yeah. And so I can't really control the social media. I can try to limit it. I can fight back against it. I can give the gimlet eye to it in front of them. I can talk about their friends, but I do think, I mean, this is the thing of it starts at home. Your relationship to your own body. I mean, it's something I've really tried to work on in my house of just wearing what I want. I try to never say anything about my appearance that isn't positive. I love this outfit. I love the way it makes me feel. I try not to talk about food as anything other than fuel. I do think because we've addressed a lot of the problems that it is important to acknowledge that we still have a tremendous amount of control over this by rejecting these things for ourselves in front of our kids and saying like, I love the way I look. My husband loves the way I look. Like whenever I come out dressed up and sometimes I'm sure I look great and sometimes I'm sure I look completely busted. But every time I walk out, he always says, you look fantastic. You know, I think that the only real power you have over this is doing this for yourself. And I don't mean to make it sound facile because it took me a tremendous amount of work and unlearning and I still have to work on it. And what is going on inside my head is not always what I'm giving voice to, but I do think we still have power in being able to say like, I think that person looks good. I think this person looks good. But most importantly, I love the way I look. I think I look great mm-hmm,
1: I think it matters a lot, and you're right. We can do something about this. We can also follow accounts. I mean I wanted to just say that there are social media accounts that are doing a great job with this, right that are showing I found one yesterday that showed the photo of an ad you know that was presented, and then like a video from the shoot or like another photo from the same shoot where you can see the same person. You know, you can see Lil' Kim, like the photo that went in the magazine and the real photo from that, you know, stylist took while they were taking it. And they're not the same at all. And it's not like, gotcha, you're not so gorgeous. It's not about that or it doesn't have to be about that. It should be like, nobody looks like this, not even them. Let's reset our brains. Let's show our brains what real bodies look like.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so true. Cause it's reminding me that growing up, like our two big magazine articles were like, this person is unattainably beautiful. And then our favorite episode of the year, our ma- favorite magazine of the year was celebrities caught. Like, and it was like celebrities <laughs> looking horrible. And they would like fo- close up, photograph them in like an right. ill fitting swimsuit. And we were like, yes, she looks horrible. Like, we don't have to live in the binary of like beautiful people rule and then we goof on them when they fall. Like, Like the way you look, the thing that I try to establish for myself and in my house is that the way you look and how much you weigh is absolutely the least interesting thing about you. Words to live by. I think you solved it. (laughs) I mean, harder to live it. And I'm still staring at my little gray hair. But listen, I know it in my head and I'm working to live it. That's all I can say.
1: Believe me, I hide self-view on every Zoom I do, but uh, (laughs) I'm living the work, guys. Right. But it matters. It matters. It matters. Working to live, live in the work. That's right. Have you joined our newsletter? If you go to our website, waffyshellpodcast.com, there's a little link in the side. You can sign up for our newsletter, which is just, it sends out once a month with sort of our favorite episodes from the last month, where we're going, what else we have going on, where else you can find us, and other things that we're reading and watching and enjoying. So sign up.
0: Sign up for our newsletter. <laughs> sign up for our newsletter. So much interesting stuff. <laughs> it's body positive. Our newsletter is mobsy positive. <laughs> Having one of those days, guys. Thanks so much for listening. And with that, we will talk to you next week. So long.
3: Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter-Free, It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.
2: No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack.